I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, my wife Pam and I continue our series on how to build a rock-solid marriage. Last week, we talked about building a rock-solid foundation. And this week, we're talking about how to build a rock-solid friendship. Pam and I share about what we've learned and what's worked for us in 32 happy years of marriage. Listen as we talk about listening rather than fixing. How lap talks can take your marriage to a new level how to avoid fights, and how to get the feelings back or keep them burning strong. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm here with my wife, Pam Skinner. Yes. Hello, everyone. (laughs) It's great to have you on on the program, baby. Thanks. Last week, we took a look at our first class in our series in how to build a rock solid marriage. Mm hmm. And we talked about the foundations for a rock-solid marriage. We talked about getting into the Word, having a shared vision, a shared purpose for your life, Mm -hmm. and being able to keep it spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. And it was great. Uh, So many people listened to that. I'm so happy. We're sharing from our lives. We're not marriage counselors. We're not Mm -mm. professional marriage advice givers. But we are sharing what we've learned from 32 years of happy marriage that God's given us. Yes, absolutely. 32 years. I know, I know. And we are recording this in July of 2022. So looking forward to the World Discipleship Summit. Oh my gosh, it's just around the corner. I'm so excited (laughs) to get there. Yes. Me too. It's going to be great. And I want to say thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It's been so awesome. Mm -hmm. When I started this uh, two years ago at the beginning of COVID, I... I, I don't even, when looking back, I don't even realize why I started. I don't, I, it's hard for me to kind of re- reconstruct my mindset. I thought, okay, this might be a good thing to do during COVID or learning something new, helping mm-hmm. some people. It's, it's kind of unclear, but to see the kind of impact, it's so encouraging. It really is. Um, we just passed 100,000 downloads. Wow. That's amazing, honey. Congratulations. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Yes. And all the encouraging emails I get and the support. Today, we're taking a look at class number two, Rock Solid Friendship. And there are two things that we want to talk about today. First of all, placing friendship first and flowers and affection. So let's get into it. You ready, baby? I'm so ready. Let's go. So the first point is friendship first. And let me talk to you husbands or wannabe husbands out there. First of all, uh, when Pam and I originally, when we got married in 1990, yeah. we were married, I guess, about a little less than a year. And we went on our first mission team to mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon in June of 1991. And I mean, planting churches is so much fun, but it, there's a lot that goes on. It's yeah. crazy. A lot of people to take care of. And mm-hmm. there's, there's just so much activity. We were right. young and excited. And one, I remember one day, Pam, 
she was going through a list of all the different things that, that she was concerned about, worried about, people she needed to talk to. And every time she would share a concern or an issue, I would give her a little fix it. I would say, <laughs> okay, well, you need to do this. You need to say this to that person. Then she'd say, well, I'm feeling this about you know this person. I said, okay, here's what you do. You go in and, and, and talk to him and say this. And so every time she would share something, I felt I felt compelled. Like <laughs> I'm like Mr. Fix It. Yeah. I got I got to solve her problems, right. make her problems go away. Mm. And after this went on for I don't know two or three minutes like that, where I where I knew everything that she needed to you know solve her all of her problems, <laughs> she just said, "Would you be quiet?" Mm. I don't think she said, would you shut up? But no. I, I, I think she said it was no, pretty. I definitely didn't tell you to shut up. It, but was, it was like. It was pretty strong. Yes, it was strong. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. that I was caught up short. I was uh-huh. like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I zipped my lips right then. And she said, I don't need you to fix me. Mm. I just need you to listen. Right, right. And I mean, that was like, that was a turning point in our relationship. It was. That that was huge because, you know, like Rob said, this is our first time uh, planting a church together, <laughs> you know, and um, thank you, Preston and Sandy Shepard. They, oh, yeah. they went with us uh, for the first two weeks, you know, and had all these devotionals and, you know, we had these really awesome invitation cards. We, we were so excited. But then then they left. Remember that? We're oh, like, yeah. what, what you mean you're not, what do you mean you're leaving? Right. And then we, you know, and they told us, they said, you know, you guys have to be a team. Right. You have to rely on each other. Right. That's all you've got. And I was like, whoa. And uh, so it was a lot of pressure and I had a lot of feelings. I still do. Right. But then I just, I, you know, I just, I felt like I needed so much help and I had all these emotions and I just wanted to share them all with you but not necessarily for you to give me all the answers and right. for you to fix everything. Right. I just, I needed you to listen. And <laughs> you did. I mean, that I'm so glad early on in our marriage that we really established that, you know, and that became, honey, that has become one of your strengths. You are a great listener to me. Well, thank you. And I didn't pay her to say that, but that, you know, from that moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, okay, I got to, I got to change tact. I got to mm-hmm. really do things differently. And from that moment, we started to do something different where I just would take time to, to listen mm-hmm. and, and to talk and to listen. And I, I remember, you know, it's always tough in, when Pam would say like, Hey, I, I want to talk I'm like, Oh boy, here it comes, you know? But I think from that moment, I decided, okay, I've got to slow down and just listen. Mm-hmm. And so we we developed what we called lap talks, yeah. where I'd say, okay, I could tell she had feelings. She wanted to talk and I'd say, go ahead and sit on my lap and just tell me everything you're feeling. And I would sit there and I'd be so tempted to just, <laughs> well, it's just, oh, you got to do that. Honey, don't feel that way. I just wanted to say that. I, just, yeah. I learned to just go, mm-hmm, wow, really? Wow, oh my gosh. <laughs> that happened? Oh, no. And, you know, it's amazing. It really helped. I don't know how it helped her. It wouldn't have helped me, but it certainly helped her. And I want to talk to you husbands because sometimes we really have a hard time Mm -hmm. with our wives' feelings and their desire to have talks. Yeah. And we want to fix the problem and make them go away. But when, you know, when we struggle with that, um, I used to I used to answer Pam like when she'd say I want to talk I'd say what do you want to talk about? 
But then I figured out that's like her saying, what do you want to have sex for? Right. You know, do you want to have another kid? <laughs> you know, there doesn't have to be right. a point or a purpose to the activity. There's pleasure in itself. And that's when we came up with the concept of lap talks, just, just relaxing. So take a look and, and ask yourself, are you a good listener if you're a guy? Are you taking time to really listen and not necessarily fix? Right. It's, it's certainly a, a key to friendship. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I think it's been, it's definitely become a strength. And I think, yeah, because there's times, you know, when I am really emotional and I want you to listen to me, I know that, you know, you feel responsible for the church. You feel responsible for how I'm doing spiritually, right? So there is that natural, you want to fix things or, um, you know, I think you've gotten really good at just not taking things personally, you know, I'm, I'm not upset at you. I'm not attacking you. I just have these feelings. And right. once I get them out, and if I feel like it's a safe place where you can just listen, oh my gosh, I'm like, wow, I, I just feel so, so mm. much better. It's, it's really helped me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so talking first about just listening. But then secondly, finding your, finding your way out of a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we get into fights. There's, we use the term, I got into a bump. It's just, it's just another word for a fight or an argument. But it's so important to be able to avoid those because they can do so much damage. You yeah. end up saying stuff you regret. Yeah. And oftentimes it's the same setup to a fight every time. You, you can see it coming. You yeah. can see it like storm clouds on the horizon. You go, uh oh. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the relatives. We're going to have a fight here, or we're talking about money. Right. Guess what? The budget. The oh budget, boy. or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Right. And you can see it coming, and you don't even have to fight if you prepare and have right. the mindset. And so it's so important mm-hmm. to be able to see it early and to be able to get out of it before it happens. Yeah. Um, we, we call this see it, you know, hitting the pause button. Right. And I've got a, a story that happened early, again early on in our marriage. This yeah. is the first year, probably mm-hmm. Christmas time. We went to a Christmas party in, I don't know whose house it was, but it was in East Bay of the Bay Area. And I thought that Pam said she was going to get a ride home with somebody else. I, I really did. I mean, I thought so. And so I wanted to go home and go play Frisbee with a brother. And so I took off. Well, guess what? Pam, Pam never said that, <laughs> apparently. And so she oh had to gosh. scramble to find a ride home. She felt embarrassed. Yeah. And I got home, and I don't know how it happened, but she ended up getting home before me. Right. I don't even remember how that happened. So we yeah. were at the Colonnades in San Jose, yeah. mm-hmm. and I opened the door, and I just immediately felt danger in the air. I mean, I just felt like hmm, <laughs> something's, something's out there. So I yeah. opened the door to our one-room apartment, and it was dark but I could see a shadowy figure on the couch. And, <laughs> and I, I said quietly, I said, honey, is that you? And she, she didn't say anything. No, she just no. pointed oh. at the bedroom because she saw the brother over my shoulder. And That's so- right. That's exactly <laughs> right. I'm like, uh-oh, he's got company. Yeah. <laughs> so we went into the bedroom and she just proceeded to dress me down. She's just like, you left me. Yeah. You, I can't believe I felt so humiliated. I felt mm-hmm. so embarrassed. Like yeah. You just left me there. And I was so shocked. I was legitimately surprised. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. I mean, I, I 
I really didn't know. And so I wasn't even prepared for an argument. So what I got caught up in is I, I this is the first time I'd seen Pam really mad. Yeah. And she was mad. Her, her veins were bulging. Her face was red. <laughs> and she was yeah. just letting me have it. I was like, whoa. So I was kind of like observing it like a little science experiment. I'm like, whoa, she is really, she's really mad at me right now. Look at that. Wow. She could really let it go. And so in my mind, because I, my emotions hadn't kicked in yet, I thought, okay, Rob, here's the thing. Mm. You can either get into it and you're going to have World War II right here, yeah. an argument. I can tell that. <laughs> she's, she's a pretty tough woman. She's pretty convinced. Or you can just apologize mm. and go play Frisbee. <laughs> and so I thought I'd rather go play Frisbee. And so I said, honey, I'm really sorry for leaving you. I really apologize. I didn't mean to. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And immediately she just deflated. I mean, it was yeah. like, just like pop the balloon. All of a sudden... All the bluster went out, and she's like, oh, that's okay. I'm sorry for getting so mad. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we hugged, and then I went out and played Frisbee. Yes. But it, it really showed me that if you can hit a pause button and just – it showed me that there was a gap mm. between the time that we got into the argument and the time that I just decided, okay, I'm just going to apologize. And that helped me in the future going forward to say, okay, you have a choice mm -hmm. of whether you really want to fight or whether you want to work your way out of it. Right. And that became super handy over the years because in in the future I'd see things where I go, okay, we're going to head into a fight here. What are you going to do, Rob? Right. And I think that was very helpful. Yeah, that was super, super helpful, and I appreciate your humility. And I think it is important to be able to hit that pause button. I think you know, as women, you know, um, I know I can get really worked up and I can feel like, okay, I've got to bring this issue up or I got to talk about this like right now. And I think I've learned over the years to, to pick my timing, um, because there's just certain situations, you know, like how about like right before we're going to bed, for example, when I have all these feelings or I want to talk about something, but that's not when you want to talk about it. And that could really cause a fight. Because you're like, I'm just trying to go to bed. Let's That's not right. solve and talk about all the ministry ideas. Or how about on Sundays before you preach, right? <laughs> I'm like, I, I've learned, okay, those, that's not the time to bring up anything that's that's really critical. That could be a big fight. And, and I don't want us to get into a fight on the way to right. church. Right. You know, So just hitting the pause button and right. going, okay, this is not the right time right. to bring this issue up. Right. This is not the right time. I can see that something would be brewing on the horizon. I, I've gotta, I'm going to come back to that. Yeah. So I think that's that's also really helped us. Right. So if if there's one thing you could just take away, this this is super helpful. If you can get this in your tool, toolbox of your marriage, it will save you so much heartache to find your way out of a fight yeah. before it happens. Yeah. So when you see the tension rising, see it coming and hit that pause button. Mm -hmm. And what we like to say is throw up the white flag early, the yeah. surrender flag. And what we, and this, this came, comes straight out of John Gottman's book. Yeah. And, and a lot of this is, is really attributed his, I mentioned him before in our last episode, super helpful, but he, he just talks about, you got to break, you got to break the pattern before it sets in. And so when you see the fight coming on, or you're in the middle of the initial stage of a fight, you can just say, hey, I don't want to fight. Mm -hmm. right. That's like throwing up a, a, it's called a repair attempt. It's throwing up a white flag. You mm -hmm. just say, hey, 
I, let's start over. Sometimes right. I'll come in with a bad attitude and I'll, and I'll say something stupid and I'll literally walk outside right. and say, let's start over and, right. oh, hi, honey. Great to see you. Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, I bet I can make you laugh. You know, if I know Pam is, is really upset, I, I'll say, I bet I can make you laugh, make right. a funny face, stick her tongue out. I mean, there's a lot of different <laughs> ways right. that you can break that pattern. Uh, I think one of the, one of our favorites, you want to share about this? Yeah, this is a great one. You know, if we're, we can just tell, okay, oh, there's tension and, oh, this could really escalate. Um, you know, Rob will say, well, who, who's going to win right now? Jesus or Satan? <laughs> and I have to say in almost 32 years, I, I have to say, I'm, I haven't said Satan. You know, I've been consistent. I want Jesus to win, you know, but that helps to just kind of shake things up and realize, okay, who, who are we really fighting against, right? right? It's the spiritual forces. It's, right. it is, it's Satan. He wants to destroy our marriage. He right. wants to divide and we right. have to be aware of that. And just go, nope, nope, we're not going to let that happen. Right. So next time you're tempted to get into a fight, throw up the white flag early mm-hmm. and, and and practice. Practice with your wife or your husband and say, hey, let's not fight. Or come up with some way to, t- to tell the other person, this is not where I want to go in right. marriage. And that will help you to stay out of the, the danger zone in right. marriages. Right. Can I share one other thing? I know we talked about in the first podcast about how you know, you were, you were trying to help me spiritually. And when I was resistant, that would, that would cause fights. That's something else that we've had to overcome. But I also want to encourage you wives, you know, there have been times, um, and there will be times in your marriage when you feel like, okay, there's some things I need to talk to my husband about. How do you do that in a constructive way? And I think one thing that's helped me, um, is if there's definitely something I need to bring up, something I need to say, and I don't want it to escalate. I don't want it to turn into a fight. Uh, One of the things that we've done is I will say, honey, I have a very friendly challenge. (laughs) And that's how I'll start it. And then, honey, okay, what do you say in response to that? I usually say, well, how friendly is it? And I'll go, oh, honey, it's so friendly. Like, this is like one of the most friendly challenges I have. And that just that just helps yeah. so that I feel like, you know, you can prepare. And I'm right. grateful that you, you have a humble heart. But then, it, then I, I feel like I have a way. I have a way to be able to communicate, to express something that I'd like to bring up, something I'd like to see change where it doesn't have to escalate. Mm-hmm. We don't have to get into a drag out fight about it. Right. And I, cause I don't want to be critical. I don't, but there's times I, I need a constructive way. And I feel like we've, we've done that in our right. relationship. I think it's, it's really, really helped. It helps me because it, my ego is pretty fragile with you and it, it, it just makes it a lot easier to kind of prepare I go, okay, here it's coming. I got to get my mind ready for it. Here's a challenge. Don't, don't freak out. Mm -hmm. Don't go into fight or flight mode. Right. Okay, here it comes. And I think that's, you know, wives, wives can just tear down their husbands like nobody's business so easily. I mean, their husbands look to their wives for so much support and encouragement. So uh, if there's careless words, it really can damage. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think also wives, what else, you know, I think can be really helpful is becoming what we call an active wife. Because, you know, when you get together with your girlfriends, right? I mean, I I can, I can go long. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know, I mean, I've uh, last year when my husband uh, went across the country in a motorcycle, he was so smart. What'd he do? He sent me to um, Des Moines, Iowa, and he sent me to Burlington, Vermont. Why? Because that's where my two best friends live, Barry Lusk and Sushoff. We can go long hours just <laughs> talking, right? We're, we're really good at that. But sometimes we expect that same, okay, come on, honey, you need to, you need to put in the hours there. And sometimes that's just not how our husbands are wired. And so I've learned that, okay, um, becoming what we call an active wife, that a lot of times my husband will really open up if we're out walking. We get out of the house or if we're driving, right. not, honey, not necessarily when we're sitting across the table in a coffee shop. That's not when you're really at your best to open up. And so I say, you know, become an active wife, figure out what's going to work for your husband and, and do that. And, um, also I think what's, what's helped with our friendship is, is getting involved or becoming, um, aware or, you know, being interested in the things that he's interested in. And um, this is a past interest, honey, isn't it? The motorcycles, <laughs> right? That's a whole nother lesson, right? My husband's always loved motorcycles. And when we lived in Japan, right, you had a motorcycle. I rode on the back of that. When we came to Tucson, you got a motorcycle. I'd ride on the back. Um, there are times, honey, right, when I've gone into motorcycle shops with you. Yes, I love that. Okay, and, and do I want to go into motorcycle shops? You don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. Okay, lots of self-denial there. But my husband loves motorcycles, so I'm going to go in that motorcycle shop with him. How about backpacking? Right. Okay, I'm a camper. Right. I, I'm, I love camping. Let's just pack up the car and go. But backpacking, that's like a whole nother level. But you love to backpack. So I really learned, okay, I'm not going to do it every time, but I have done it. Right. Right, for two nights. Right, and it meant a lot to me that you went out with with me, and we we did a two nighter that yep. one time. That was yeah, awesome. we did, and we did another one nighter just we did us an overnighter. That mm -hmm. was great. That was great. Yeah. Just, I mean, that makes me appreciate you all the more yeah. for sure. So that I think over the years, that's really built our friendship. Is, Absolutely, you know, doing things together. Right. Uh, you love to read. It, it's helped me to to want to read more. Scuba right. diving, you know, just doing things active things, uh, because that's the kind of person that you are taking an interest in those things because right. I love you. And I feel like it's really, really helped our friendship. Right. Well, that's so important too, especially if you've been married for a while, you've got to stay in touch with what the person is, is still interested in. And yeah. Gottman talks about that in his book about keeping your love maps up to date. Yes. You know, it's like you, if you've got an out of date map, you're not going to have a very good chance to get where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And in our relationships with one another, our desires and, and interests and our hobbies change over time. Right. And staying in touch with what we're interested in makes a huge difference. It does. Like I still remember you, you taking me to that Earth, Wind and Fire concert, honey. <laughs> Man, you made a lot of emotional deposits. You know, I know that's not your favorite genre of music, but you're like, I'm taking my wife to that and woo, woo, woo. Maybe we got to go to another one, but I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I know. I know. So figure out, okay, how can I be a better friend? I mean, yeah. marriage, if, if you had to boil it down, it's really all about your friendship. It really is. The quality of your friendship, how close you are. And it's not one and done. You just stay in a friendship. You can fall out of that friendship. And that's what happens. Right. Is you lose track with the person 
your friendship kind of gradually fades out. And then you see people getting divorced right. who at one point were all fired up spiritually. And then you go, that could, they could never get divorced. But guess what? Right. They get divorced. Yeah. And a lot of it is not keeping in touch, not really nurturing the friendship. Right. And I know we're going to talk about this probably in an, a later class, but you know, when the kids come along, what it's so easy, right? The kids become the center of everything. And then the friendship you know, I, I try to tell, you know, uh, other young, young marrieds that when they start having kids, remember you had your husband first, you were together first. That's right. And again, the best gift you can give your children is a great marriage. That's right. And so I hope that all our kids, you know, can look at our marriages and go, man, I want that. Mm. Or boy, my mom and dad really love each other. They love being together. They love, uh, just spending time together. That that's really the goal. So friendship is the whole theme of this, this episode. And that's what we talked about in the first point. Now, the second one is flowers. Mm. Okay. Friendship and then flowers. What do you do when the feeling in your relationship is gone? Husbands, you know, one of the trap of long, long long-term marriages is a lack of affection and feeling. Mm -hmm. It can happen. And I've talked to, to brothers, they just, they say things like, I don't feel anything anymore. We're more like roommates. We're like business partners. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're going to hang. I mean, I've heard sing things like we're going to stick together as long as the kids are in the house. Mm-hmm. But you can tell it's not looking good. Right. And the feelings are gone. And it's just like, it's an economic arrangement, but it's not really, the feeling's not there. Right. The love has, has kind of died off. But you can get the feeling back. And here's where I want to encourage you. You can get the feeling back. In Revelation chapter 2, in verse 4, Jesus said this to a church. He said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So here we learn from Jesus it happens in relationships. The feelings fluctuate. And over time in this church, they had lost their, their initial passion for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just say, hey, well, it's over. You can't get it back. You're gone. Right, no. He says, no, there's a solution. Mm-hmm. It starts with, one, repenting, seeing it, changing direction. And then he gives some great advice. Do the things you did at first. Right. Remember what you once had. Mm-hmm. And so as we apply this passage to a marriage relationship... We can just do the same thing. First of all, remember what you what you first had. He said, you've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. So he says, first of all, remember when you did have feelings. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? It was awesome. Right. You know, when I, I remember, you know, dating Pam and then getting engaged with her and then that first couple of years of marriage, I remember just thinking, we're talking to each other. No one has ever felt this depth of love. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone says that. You know, it's yeah. like, no, yeah. this is unique. This mm-hmm. is unique in history here. Yes. This, we've got a love no one ever has, has ever experienced before. <laughs> but in any case, everyone feels that way, mm-hmm. hopefully. But you got to remember those times mm-hmm. and go, okay, I've felt deep, deep love for, for this person. Yeah. And then secondly, if you're, if you're not there anymore, repent and change your attitude. Right. It's, it's a time to repent. Next, do what you once did. He Mm. says, do the things you did at first. Because, why? Feelings follow action. Mm, Good point. Now, this is super encouraging for guys. Yes. If you're a guy listening to this, this is super encouraging. Because when we start talking about feelings, it's like, oh boy. Uh Uh-huh. Let's not go there. Feelings. (laughs) You know, 
they're not yeah. they're not real you no, know it's like no. it's hard to deal with but instead Jesus gives a really great practically he doesn't say hey get get your feeling back he says do the things you did at first hmm. when you change your behavior your feelings eventually will change but it takes work mm-hmm. and this is something every guy can do this is where we need to repent of the sin of sloth now the sin of sloth is is interesting and I'd recommend doing a study sometime on the seven deadly sins but the early church fathers realized that sloth is one of the seven deadly sins hmm. that is absolutely something you got to take seriously and what is sloth it's not just being lazy and just being a couch potato what they meant by that is being lazy in love hmm. love takes maintenance it's like a house if you own a house you got to maintain your house right. things break they need to be replaced. You've got to repair. You got to take care of your yard. You got to skim your pool. You got to do all these things. It's just part of home ownership. Love is the same thing. It mm. takes maintenance. And if you're lazy and you've got all this deferred maintenance in your relationship, guess what? Yeah. Five or 10 years pass, you don't feel the same way towards your wife Mm-mm. because you were slothful. Right. You were lazy in love. You didn't do the hard work that it took to keep the feelings going. Hmm. Our wives need signs of affection. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the things that we did when we were when we were dating and engaged. I remember one time, <laughs> this was awesome. I remember <laughs> I woke up, I had a 1971 VW bus, and that was awesome. I just love that vehicle. Anyway, I wish I would have kept it. I wish I still had that thing. But anyway, no air conditioning, probably <laughs> too hot for Tucson. Yeah. But yeah. I woke up one morning and we were headed to a staff meeting, probably a Tuesday, and we weren't married yet. But I woke up, I walked out and, and got into my car, my, the bus, and I looked at it, and it was covered in streamers. It was Valentine's Day, <laughs> and all these hearts were stuck to the side of the bus. All this crepe paper said, "I love Rob," and I mean, it was awesome. And so <laughs> Pam lived in the same town, but mm-hmm. I had to go pick her up for the staff meeting. So I drove down and she was waiting out on the street and she could, I had to round a current corner and there she was <laughs> staring about a half mile away and she saw it and we just went down the freeway and things were flying <laughs> off and people were honking. Yeah. But, I mean, she just went over and above, mm-hmm. you know, because she was in love. Yeah. And we did all sorts of things. I remember one time I, I took a, a newspaper and we had a date that night and I, I typed up my own article said that said big date tonight. Skinner and Wilkinson date, you know, and I just wrote this whole article. And so when I picked her up in the bus that night for the date, um, she, I, there was a newspaper on the dashboard and I said, Hey baby, um, I didn't say, I probably didn't call her baby at that point, but I said, Pam, why don't you take a look at that newspaper on that article on page three is really good. And she opened it up and she started laughing. <laughs> that was so sweet. Yeah. I think you even had a picture of us or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it was so thoughtful. You know, we really went the extra mile just for a date. That really um, meant so much. I still have that, you know. Do you really? I sure oh do. Oh, I, I, I would never <laughs> throw that away. No way. And I, I remember during Easter, I, I put together like an Easter egg hunt mm-hmm. for her with like little notes, like a yeah. love you, stuff like that. I mean, it's funny. It's funny what you do when you're in love that you do crazy things but somehow that trails off after marriage and you start saying things like well i show my affection in bed (laughs) you get get lazy it's like oh my gosh you know that sounds super crass and if you're single you know oh well (laughs) but I, i remember one time when we were living in fukuoka japan 
Western Japan. And I'd, I'd finished my Japanese lessons for the day, and I was in a coffee shop, super smoky. Everyone smoked there. And so there was a haze in there. It was like mid-afternoon. I was kind of a little drowsy. And on the radio, on the music, came Neil Diamond's song and Barbara Streisand's song, You Don't Bring Me Flowers Anymore. Now, I'd heard that song a million times. This is an old song. Right. This is in the mid-'90s. Never really paid much attention to it, but I remember <laughs> just, I don't know, it caught me. It said, You Don't Bring Me Flowers Anymore. Um, you just, what, how does the, how the lyrics go? It says, oh. um, it's, it's like you, you, um, oh my gosh, I'm just spacing out. But anyway, the lyrics of the songs that, you know, basic talk about a relationship whose right. feelings have died out. Mm-hmm. You don't bring me flowers anymore. Right. You just roll over. You don't talk to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I started to get really teared up in that mm. coffee shop listening to this <laughs> song. I was just like, I don't know, just totally convicted. Yeah. And I got up, I put my books back in my bag, and I, I got on the subway, came home, picked up some, or before I got home, I, I got some flowers, and I just, when Pam opened the door, I handed her the flowers and said, mm. I love you. Mm. And I just, I just thought, was sweet. I don't want to, I don't want to be singing a song like that. Mm-mm. No. where our feelings have just died out. Yeah. And so we'd been married a few years at that point. But what can we do? Okay, right. let, let's talk a little bit about how we can get that feeling back or keep it, if you already have the feeling, how you can maintain it. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, men might not necessarily want you to bring them flowers. Maybe some do. But I definitely think that words of affection um you know, praising your husband, I think, boy, that is so, so important. Men really, they need to be, to feel honored and respected. And so definitely, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say things like, um, Hey, uh, do you have a couple minutes, uh, for me to build you up? You know, and it's really amazing how, no matter how busy we are, if he says that to me, or if I say that to him, we'll stop whatever we're doing. Yes. Yes, I do have a couple minutes. And, you know, we'll, we'll really be intentional with our words right. to look for the good. Because, it, right, it's so easy to focus on the negative, to focus on what's not happening, but to look for the good, the positive, right. to, to have that be the atmosphere in your marriage, uh, but also just in your household in general, just uh, words of affection and to, to praise the small things. And really make it a habit right. I think is so, so important. Exactly. I think that's one thing that's really helped our marriage a lot is just taking time just to say, hey, you, you look really nice mm-hmm. or you look fantastic in that dress or, hey, great job with dinner tonight. Boy, that was, that was really awesome. But taking, I mean, one thing we did with our kids, just taking time at dinner table, hey, mom, you did it again. Right. You know, we'd, 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 have, we'd chant that before. <laughs> Mom, you did it again. We'd all say it together. Right. But developing an atmosphere in your marriage where praise is not the exception, right. but it's the norm. It's, it's coming out all the time in the small things, not just when something super heroic happens, but it's like an undercurrent. That really makes a difference. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, like you said, just making it a habit. Right. You know, I don't, you know, so I, I love that. Um, and then, you know, there are times where, um, I remember uh, just going in the bathroom and just seeing these sticky notes, 
you know, that you just, not only did you say these things verbally, but then you started writing them down, like things that you appreciated about me or things that you noticed. And he just write it on a sticky note and stick it in the bathroom. And that, man, I just kept it there, you know, and then pretty <laughs> soon my bathroom mirror was just covered with these sticky notes that you wrote just to build me up, just to encourage me. And yeah, that, that made a, a big difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just got that idea. I thought, you know, I got to make sure that she knows I appreciate her. Mm-hmm. So just something every day, I would just write out, hey, I appreciate this about you. I like this thing about you. And when you do those things you did at first, guess what? The feelings you had at first start to come back. Absolutely. They resurface. Absolutely. I think gifts, you know, yeah. like the gift of flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I read, and I, I don't even know where I read it, but basically it, I remember reading, it said, wives give you credit, not, not for the price, but for the act itself. Mm. And I thought that's an awesome blessing because (laughs) you don't have to break the bank. You don't have to spend a million dollars to get credit for a loving act. Mm -hmm. And so some small flowers, a thoughtful gift, it really is the thought that counts. Yes. And that encouraged me because I thought, okay, I could, I could give little things that make a difference that let her know. I really appreciate her. Yeah, absolutely. I think the gift of touch, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's always a good one. Yes, it is. Encouraging, hugging, um, right. kissing, just making sure that there's a lot of affection. Right. That's so important. And going back to when you have kids, you know, I just think, of course, hopefully you want to, you know, touch and be affectionate with your husband a whole bunch. Right. But I, again, I can't stress enough how important that is that your children see that their mom and dad love each other. Right. And I mean, how many times, honey, have our kids been like, ew, <laughs> oh, get a room. What are you doing? You know, but I'm like, that's okay. I right. want my children to know that mom and dad really love each other. That's and, right. You know, I know we're going to talk about um, having a date. Boy, Bob, that I, I would say, you know, besides the listening, the positivity, you know, just making that a habit, having that date set, I can't say enough about how much that has helped our marriage over the years. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that, you know, and I want to, I want to speak to the husbands, you know, um, cause a lot of times I'll hear from wives. Yeah, we haven't gone on a date in months, you know, or people are bringing their kids. I, I hate to tell you that, but that's, that's family time, right? When right. kids are there, that's, that's not a date. Right. And I just want to say, honey, I really appreciate cause I feel from you that you want to take me on a date. I'm not begging. I'm not pleading. And so husbands make sure that that's a priority for you. That you're not just like, okay, 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 she's nagged enough, I'll take her out. But that's what you want to do. Right. And I mean, I can remember so clearly when we lived in Ashland, Oregon, and you were selling real estate, and you were working, you know, selling houses during the week, and then selling Jesus on the weekends. <laughs> you know, I think that was probably one of the busiest times oh, yeah. in our lives. Pressure cooker. Pressure cooker. But even during that time, I knew Friday night, no matter what was happening during the week with the church, Friday night was our date night. Mm -hmm. And I love that. The kids knew that. And even even people in the church, you know, we get invited to something, right? Some sort of a shower, some sort of party. And and the sisters go, oh, that's right. Friday night's your date night. I'm like, yeah, it is. Sorry. Have a blast. Mm -hmm. Let me know how it goes. But that was a habit and something that we just we scheduled in, we made a priority. And when things are so stressful during the week and when things would come up, it's kind of like it gave that me that buffer to know that, okay, but Friday night, Oh, I can look forward to that. So I can, I can persevere. 
I can I can hang on right. in many ways um, and have a lot of grace through the week because I know, boy, that Friday night's coming. That's right. So all these things are are helpful. The the gifts, the touch, making a, di- a date every week. These are practical mm-hmm. things that you can do yeah. if you want to restore that love that you had at first or if right. you want to keep it burning. And I think one thing that's been so amazing about Pam is she she is so encouraging. Um, and I, I think that this is something that I've, I've appreciated about her so much. I, this is actually probably the reason why I knew she was the one for me because um, there was one instance when we were both interns in the church in San Francisco and we were we were dating, but we weren't engaged yet. It was the fall of 1989. And um, again, it was the VW bus. We went over to uh, to church at the first congregational building in the Bay Area, and we had a had church. And then there was a leaders meeting afterwards, and it was after after Christmas was over, and Ed Townsend was leading the church, and so he went around, and there was a big room, probably about fifty or sixty church leader or house church leaders, and he was holding us accountable for things he'd asked us to do before the Christmas break. Mm. Well, he's, he came to me and said, hey, Rob, did you do such and such? And I'm like, oh, Ed, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So he went on and he went around, came around for another thing. Did you do Did you do this for, Rob, did you do this? I'm like, oh, you, what? Oh, that thing? Ooh, <laughs> sorry, Ed. Well, at that point, Ed decided to make me an object lesson mm-hmm. of <laughs> the delinquent <laughs> intern. And he just, he just rebuked me. I mean, mm-hmm. basically just laid me out right there. And the tough part was that Pam was sitting right next to me. Yeah. And so I was just sweating it. I mean, I was just like nodding and he was absolutely right. I totally neglected to to do whatever it was he'd asked me to do. And he laid me out. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, it seemed like it went on forever, but it was probably just a a minute or two. But anyway, I was just sitting there going, oh, Pam, she's, she's done with me. I mean, this is (laughs) over. This is so embarrassing. (laughs) She's, she totally sees what I'm made of here. So that night we're driving across the Bay Bridge. And you could hear the hum of the VW bus engines grinding on. And I, I said, well, what'd you think of the meeting? And she said, I was really impressed with you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I, I was literally, I was like racking my brain, like, what could she be impressed with? I mean, it's like, I'm just trying to, like, oh my, I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> and, and I said, really? Mm. And she goes, yeah. I was really impressed that you didn't cry. <laughs> and right then I thought, oh. yep, this is the one I want to marry. <laughs> because in the darkest of circumstances, mm. the most embarrassing, the most mm. humiliating circumstances, mm-hmm. she found something to praise and encourage me in. Yeah. And I thought, this is what I want. Yeah. That's unconditional love. Yeah. And I'd love to say that, boy, I've just always done that, like our whole marriage. I mean, I can also remember the time when we were leading the campus ministry in San Jose State. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. And, you know, my husband is, is uh, it was an outdoor service, and I was so excited. I had several visitors coming, and Rob was going to be speaking, right? And um, so I was so excited. And then, unfortunately, for some reason, our song leader didn't show up. And so Rob being, you know, the solution oriented guy, he's going to step in the gap. He's like, well, I'm going to lead songs. And so he did. He got in there and he, he leads songs. And my husband can sing. My husband has a good voice. But for some reason, 
that day. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but it, it, it didn't go that well. Okay. The song lady. So I just was kind of cringing inside and I'm sure I know the sermon was awesome, but afterwards we're walking to lunch and, uh, this is not where I, you know, found the positive. He, he, you asked me, you're like, so what'd you think about the service? Right. And I should have been like, oh man, your sermon was great. I didn't focus on that. I was like, well, I don't think you should ever lead songs again. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh my gosh. And you were so upset. And, and I, you know, that was a real crucial learning time for me because I was like, you asked me, you wanted me to be, I was being honest. How can you get mad at me for being honest? But I learned a valuable lesson, how much my words matter. Yeah. Right, my words can either tear down or build up. That's right, and that was oh, I can just remember that. So I'm glad that I said that right thing after that staff meeting. But I just want to say to the women out there that you know what, you've got to make a decision to use your words to build your husband up. They need to hear from you. I mean, my husband, what you've been in the ministry over 30 years. Right. It doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, of course, you love to hear, you know, that you're doing a great job when you preach or when you're leading the church. But he wants to hear that from me. Right. Okay. What I think about his sermons, how great I think he's doing leading the church. <laughs> right. And and that's and that's kind of the power we have to really build him up. Right. And it's wonderful. So really, sisters, are you doing that? Or it's so easy to find the negative, and I've done that. But are you working at focusing on the positive and and verbalizing that and mm. praising him? Because that is what your husband needs. He needs your respect, he needs your praise. He might not need flowers, but he needs those things. That's right. That's right. I think one thing that we've we've come up with is a phrase like, hey, you may not be perfect, but you're perfect for me. Absolutely. And yes. that's something we'll tell each other from mm-hmm. time to time is, hey, you know, we, we know we have mistakes. Right. But you're always perfect for me. And I, I feel that way about you, baby. Oh, thanks. That's how I feel too. I know. <laughs> so today we're, ta- we're taking a look at two things talking about building a rock solid uh, friendship and having a a relationship with each other that's built on a deep friendship. It's absolutely essential. Yeah, absolutely. And then the flowers, meaning Mm -hmm. doing the little things that keep the relationship going, the maintenance and avoiding sloth, the relationship killer. Next time we're going to be talking about being a family man or a family talking about family issues and focus. And that'll be the third part in our series, building our, how to build a rock-solid marriage. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count. <laughs>